What's up, guys? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I created a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. So if you have a new idea, project, or business that you're working on, and you're feeling a little bit stuck, I'd love to help you or connect you with somebody that can. And today is somebody that can definitely help you with any idea, project, or business that you're working on. Mr. Aaron Walker is the founder of Iron Sharpens Iron's Masterminds, and he basically leads national masterminds to help people reach their goals. And they do this by being held accountable within the groups that they are set in. And today I'm just super thankful because masterminds is something that I've always been doing on the side and typically I've been doing them for free, but I'd love to turn my passion into more of a hustle, make some dollars so I can basically impact more people. Aaron has mastered this and he's created a playbook, which we're going to run through here. But the first question I have for Aaron is what the heck is a mastermind? Well, hey, CJ, thank you for having me. Uh, a mastermind is simply your own trusted advisors that are non-biased, somebody that is like your own board of directors that holds you accountable to help take your personal and professional life to the next level. You know, we really make it so complicated with all these definitions of where one mind gathers within. All, yeah, that's good. But the truth is we're designed to be in community and we need people around us to hold us accountable to go to the next level. And that's what we've been able to perfect over the past many, many years of being involved in masterminds. That's awesome. Community is a huge, huge topic of ours. Uh, it's actually one of our core values. And we were discussing before we hopped on the podcast that so you've been in the entrepreneurship lifestyle and game for over 41 years. When did masterminds actually become a part of your life? And where did that start? Yeah, it was uh, years ago in the early 90s. I met a guy named Dave Ramsey that was trying to start a uh, financial show here in Nashville, Tennessee, where I live. And uh, he was speaking at a Chamber of Commerce breakfast. And I went up and introduced myself to him and make a long story short, CJ. Uh, I started promoting his show as an advertiser. I was his second sponsor back in the early 90s. And we developed a friendship. And then Dave invited me to join his mastermind group where we've spent decades now masterminding together in his office. And uh, that's where I was first introduced to it. That's awesome. Dave Ramsey. So for anybody that doesn't know, uh, Dave is known as, I guess, a financial guru. Um, so that's awesome that you're able to connect with him at such an early stage. What were you actually doing at the time uh, business-wise when you met him at the Chamber of Commerce? It was a small lending company. And Fell in love with that business uh, from the time I was 13. When I was 18, I went out on my own, started my first and had a couple of partners because CJ, I was brokered a convict. I didn't have any money and I needed some money. So I got a couple of guys that owned the 21st largest insurance agency in the country at the time and convinced them to back me. And they did. And we opened up. And then nine years later, I was 27 years old and I retired. I sold out to a Fortune 500 company and Thought life was amazing and we'll go down that path as much as you want. But uh, it was just uh, it was just something that I was passionate about. And we did a really good job and built up a really good brand and then sold it to a Fortune 500. That's awesome. So you, you mentioned Nashville, Tennessee. Is that where you were born and raised or where did you grow up? Uh, I've been in Nashville 60 years. Yeah, I'm a native Nashvilleian. We're multi-generations deep here in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, it's my hometown. Hell yeah. So I didn't, I didn't mention this, but I actually lived in Nashville four years ago. I was right in like the Germantown area. I used to work at UBS Wealth Management. Yeah, so I very don't know. cool. Yeah. I live in Hendersonville, which is just north of Nashville, 
about 11 miles. And so, yeah, grew up here and I'm going to die here. I love Nashville, man. Everybody else loves Nashville too, because it is a boom town right now. Yeah. It's, it's, was growing substantially when I was there and I can't even imagine I need to get back there. This will definitely give me a reason. Um, so you mentioned a little bit about how you had partnerships in the beginning of your business. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't quite understand when they're starting a new idea or project that you can't do it all alone. And I think that's where masterminds are a great example of this. So if you were to give advice to somebody that maybe has an idea or a project and is looking for potential partners, what would your advice be to going out and seeking a good partner? Well, first of all, let's go back and tell a little bit why. I mean, first of all, I would never have a partner if I could do something alone, right? There's got to be a reason to have a partnership. And quite honestly, partnerships are tough, CJ, just to be honest. I mean, and we can talk about that a little bit more also. But at the time, I came from a very poor family. We didn't have any money. You know, my dad wasn't able to give me money to help start a business. And I didn't want to go to college. I wanted to work. I've been working since I was 13 years old. And then when I turned 18, I was like, man, I got to figure this out. And so I approached a couple of guys and said, hey, you've got the money. I've got the experience and I would love to go in business with you. And at the time, I only knew them casually. They had been buying diamonds and gold from me for a couple of years and putting it in lockboxes because they were hedging against inflation and they were making gold and diamonds an investment. And I approached them one day and I said, obviously, you guys have plenty of money. And I would love to start our own pawn shop. And so we started talking through that. And they started laughing, CJ. They said, how old are you? And I said, I'm 18. They said, we've never <laughs> had anybody 18 years old approach us before. And I said, well, hey, there's a first time for everything. So we went through doing due diligence on each other. And they found out I was a pretty good guy and a hard worker. And so they uh, were willing to put up $150,000 in order for us to go in business. Now, I gave up two-thirds of the business. I got married two weeks out of high school. And so Robin and I sat down at the table and I said, we can't mess this up, Robin. I said, we may never get this opportunity again. And I said, we're going to pay this 10-year loan off as fast as we can. CJ, I worked day and night. And I mean, literally day and night. And we paid that loan off in 36 months. So now I'm 21 years old. I have a paid for location. And I said, I'll do it again. And we did. But I couldn't have done it initially without the partners. And you say, man, you gave up two thirds of the business. Well, I'd rather have a third of something as 100% of nothing. And so I said, I don't really want to do this, but I'm going to do it to give me a head start. And I did. So we lived on an $18,000 a year salary for nine years. And I poured every bit of the money back into the business. And I teach people today to learn to delay gratification for the greater good. Because as our friend Dave Ramsey says, live today like no one else. So tomorrow you can live like no one else. Well, today I'm 60 and I'm living like no one else. And it is absolutely amazing because I delayed that gratification. But man, you got to stand up and do the right thing. And you've got to be honorable in all your transactions. And if you do that, people pay attention and they'll invest in your product. That's amazing advice. Yeah. One of the things we talk about and I've talked about on previous episodes is doing the things that you need to do to get what you want. And a lot of people do what they want to do in, in the moment right now. And in the end, they don't get what they need. So they'll cut corners and then always be basically on the hamster wheel of life rather than if they do what they need to do now, 
eventually they're living the life that you're living right now, uh, where everything kind of pays off after a certain time and consistency, persistence, patience always pay off. And in this moment, like, so you were 18 to 21, was there any nerves or anxiety that were going through you? Walk Are us you a little kidding? Bit about- I was scared to death. Absolutely. I was. <laughs> Listen, we went to the bank to sign that note. And uh, I said, I thought y'all had the money. They said, well, we do have the money, but we want you to have skin in the game. So we're responsible for the money. But we went to the bank and signed a $150,000 note. Now, CJ, I don't know about you, but one hundred and fifty grand in the 70s was a lot of money. That's a lot of money today, but you go back into the 70s and think, man, how much money was that? So I signed that note and they gave me a checkbook and I went out and got in my car and I wanted to throw up. (laughs) I said, okay, now I got to go do it. I got the money and I've got to go do it. And we did. I want to go back on something we just talked about for a second because you made a very good point. You said, we've got to decide what we want and then go for it. Here's the sad thing, CJ. Most people don't know what they want. And I've written a whole paper on this and it talks about, for example, one of the questions were if there were no geographic boundaries and there were no financial limitations, what would you do with your life? Most people can't answer that. Most people go, I don't know. Well, listen, how are we going to know when we win if we don't know what we want? And so Robin and I next month will celebrate 40 years of marriage. Wow. And we... Thank you. And we sit down regularly and say, what do we want? How do we want to live our life? What are the things we want to buy? What are the places we want to go to? How do we want to invest in the future? How do we want our legacy to look? And we have to be very intentional about pursuing that because if you're just working every day to make more money and you don't have a specific reason why, Money doesn't scratch the itch like people think it does. You get money and you keep moving the bar. You get more money and you move the bar. You get in debt and you buy things that you shouldn't. And then all of a sudden, it's a house of cards. If one thing goes wrong, it all collapses. And so we teach people to be very intentional about what you want in life and build the boundaries. And you need to really prioritize your priorities and say, I'm going to spend an inordinate amount of time doing these things and everything else I'm going to say no to until you accomplish your goals. That's amazing. I love how you ended with intention. And I think that's what it starts with because you mentioned that people don't know what they want, but they never set the intention to actually understand themselves enough to figure out what they want. And this is where you have decades of more experience than I do. I'd love to ask you the question, why do you think that people don't necessarily know what they want? Yeah, because they're too busy living the life that everyone else expects them to live. And there's passions that we have. There's desires that we have. There's things that we have a great amount of competence in doing, but it's not our lane of genius. And so we settle for the things that we're competent in, not the things that give us energy that is our lane of genius. And so I want to say, because you can do it, that doesn't mean you should. And you need to do things that are life-giving, not things that are life-taking. There's many things that people do throughout the day, and it just sucks the life out of you. You're just like, well, if it's necessary for your occupation, you need to delegate that. You don't need to do it yourself because you're going to burn out. You're not going to last. 
But see, like I love doing interviews and I love coaching and I love training and I love teaching. Like I wake up in the mornings and I can't wait to get up and go do what I do because it's life giving. And I think it's a gift that God gave me. It's one of my spiritual gifts of encouragement. And I know that it gives life to me. So I'm looking for more opportunities to do that. Well, as a result of that, I have crafted it well. And so now I make a very nice income as a result of doing something that I'm passionate about. But when you go to work every day and you're like, man, I got to punch the clock and I've got to do this thing, that's not life giving and you're not going to last long term. And so I just want to encourage people to really do an evaluation of themselves, really think through your relationships and really think through the careers and the opportunities that you have that are before you that you're gifted at and figure out how you can make an income doing the things that you're very passionate over. Yeah. As they say, like, I love how you're all about giving. And a lot of people, I think they can't give enough because they don't have enough in their cup to begin with. We just live in this rat race world and Mm. not enough of them are actually filling their own cup leading back to, they don't set the intention to know themselves to even understand what is filling their cup. And this is where you talked a little bit about gifts. And I'm always a huge preacher of understanding what your gifts are and then tripling down on them rather than focusing on the things that you don't have, focus on what you do and what you can do. Where in your journey did you really realize what your gifts are? Because I think, especially at my age, I'm, I'm going on 30. A lot of people think that they should understand their gifts at 16, 17, 18 before getting into college, but I'm just starting to realize my gifts now around 30. And I'd love to hear your perspective of somebody that's been in this for 40 years. And when did you truly realize your gift and where you kind of wanted to go? Yeah. You know, I was even older than you, CJ, uh, when I found that out. And I have to take you on a little journey so you'll understand. But I'm a hard worker. I've got as much grit and determination and perseverance of anybody you'll ever meet. There's no quit in me. Like I'm going to, if you're playing a team sport, you want me on your team because we're going to win. Like, like second place is not an option. We're going to win. If we're going to do this, we're going to, we're going to do it. And so I've applied that kind of grit and determination to everything I've done. That's the reason we've owned 14 successful businesses. And I don't say that boastfully. I say that with a great amount of humility. But the truth is, is that you've got to have a mindset of I'm a winner. My mom used to say can't, couldn't do it and could did it all. And I grew up adopting that as my life mantra. Can you do this? Yes. What is it you want me to do? I'll figure out a way. Carol Dweck talks about it in her book, Mindset. We've got to have a growth mindset and it all happens in your mind first. And it's like, I'm going to win. I'm going to be a champion. I'm going to accomplish this, not in an arrogant way, but in a very confident way. And so I want, first of all, that you've got to adopt that mindset. So what happened to me though, and it's a shame that it took this to happen. I applied those gifts early on and we were successful and I was you know, able to sell that company at 27 and I left there and bought the company I started with when I was 13 and built it up and sold it for seven figures. And we did really well. But where it really got me in trouble from a mental standpoint is I was headed to work August 1st, 2001, 19 years ago. I was 40 years old and I ran over and killed a pedestrian on my way to the office. And CJ, my life came to a screeching halt. I mean, literally to a screeching halt, like it was stressful. I can't even begin to tell you it wasn't my fault. He just didn't see me, ran out in front of me and I ran over and killed him. Well, 
you're talking about heavy, man. I mean, that was yeah. heavy. And so I sold the business that I had at the time. I'd been working nonstop from the time I was 13 till I was 40. And we had a lot of success. And so I just couldn't handle the stress. So I sold the company and I took five years off. I didn't do anything for five years. We built a new house and Robin and I traveled extensively and kind of had to get my legs back under me. And God gave me the grace to be able to deal with it and move on. And five years later, I was able to move on. But here's what I discovered, CJ, through that. I discovered I'd had a great amount of success. And my legacy would have been poor kid from Nashville, Tennessee, makes enough money to retire at age 27 and nobody cares. And I'm like, that's not what I want my legacy to be. I want my legacy to be, hey, you know what? CJ's life is better as a result of having known me. CJ, like, has experienced some things because of my input and my wisdom and my experience to teach him and mentor him. And now his life is better because of Aaron. That's what I wanted my legacy to be. I wanted to be remembered as a great dad, a great husband, good in his community, faithful to his faith. I, that's what I wanted my legacy to be, but it wasn't. By the time I was 40, people would have named all these businesses I had owned. But the truth is, CJ, let's just get raw here. The truth is nobody cares about your success. They only care about your impact on their life. That's all they care about. And so I really started focusing outward. I said, you know what? From now on, I'm not going to be the taker. I'm going to be the giver. I'm going to look outward and see how I can encourage other people and help them accomplish their goals and dreams. Well, let's fast forward. Here I am 60 years old. And since then, our businesses have been twice as successful as they were when I was a taker. Now I'm a giver. Now I'm reaching out. I spend a third of my time doing interviews and teaching and training and helping other people really get grounded. And because of that, people come around because we're the light now. We're like, hey, man, can you help me? Yes, I can help you. And because of that, we're twice as successful as we've ever been financially. But I'm way more successful significantly. Now people say, hey, because of Big A, because he's in my life. I'm able to accomplish some of these other things. And it's just a much funner way to live our life. Wow, that's a, that is a heavy story. And it's so cool to see you come out on top of that. And I love how your website is viewed from the top and how you're giving back so much to other people and having that realization. And it gives me chills because death is also what brought me here even today because I have an autoimmune issue. And when I was 25 working at a job, I started losing weight and the death of my grandfather and a few other people in my life, I started realizing like, wow, like my aunt who died of colon cancer at 40 and got it at 37. Once I turned 25, I was like, even if I do things perfectly, things could go wrong. And nobody really mm -hmm. cares about this cool job that I have in downtown Nashville or anything like that. And I had to really do some deep work. And that's where realizing that I wanted to have a legacy as well of just giving back. And that's where Thrive on Life even started of I wanted to help other people thrive. And that's where it's amazing for me to hear this from you because you're double my age and hearing that feedback of like, that's the path and this is how I should go because I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's a struggle at times because for me, the financial end isn't there just yet. So I'm working on giving and serving. And I just have this belief that it'll all work itself out because 
just like you, you're saying you're, you're fired up to wake up and do what you do. So am I. So thank you so much for sharing that story because I think a lot of people are going to get something from that. But what I want to ask you now is, so death kind of changed your life and mine as well, but I don't want to have people going out there pretending like they need death to happen for some sure. for change to happen. Right. So for one of our listeners out there that might be in the mindset of like, they're feeling kind of stuck on that treadmill of life. What would be your advice? Like one step that they could take to get to that next level of awareness? Well, I'm a Christian by faith. And so that's really, I'm not going to teach a Sunday school lesson on here today and really browbeat people. But for me, my faith is really important. And that's given me great insight into the things that are really valuable and important in my personal life. And that's paramount for me. And so I would just simply say, really investigate where you stand from a faith perspective and really research that. And so I would start there. The second thing I would do is surround myself with trusted advisors. This is where people really drop the ball. Most people are in isolation. They're like, I can make my own decisions. You know, I'm my own man. I'll call the shots. I'll do this. Well, that's fine. But we're designed to be in community. And isolation is the enemy to excellence. And if you really want to take your life to the next level, we've got to surround ourselves with non-biased, trusted advisors that can help point out First of all, our superpowers. And second of all, we all have an Achilles heel. But thirdly, and lastly, the thing that can get us the most are our blind spots. That's what's going to take you down. And you're not even cognizant of it. You're not even aware of your blind spots. A buddy of mine named Alan Lindsay called me one day and he said, hey, man, I want to go to lunch. And I said, let's go. So we've been friends 45 years now. So it was nothing unusual about us going to lunch. And we go to church together also. And so he said, let's meet, you know, down at Jack's Barbecue at 11 o'clock. I said, sure. So I met down there and we're eating lunch. And he looks at me. He goes, I want to talk to you about something. I said, OK. He said, I heard you tell a guy at church the other day that you've been all over South America fishing. I said, I have. He goes, no, you haven't. I said, yes, I have. He goes, no, the truth is you've been down there twice. You have fished in the Amazon twice. He said, the Amazon is 4,000 miles long. You have not been all over South America fishing. He said, the truth is you wanted that guy to think you were a big shot. You wanted that guy to think you were a world traveler. And I, it made me mad. I wanted to poke him in the eye. <laughs> and I said, what are you talking about? He goes, man, you need to be factual. When you tell somebody something, you should have said, hey, I've been to South America twice. There's a small portion of the Amazon I've covered and I'd like to go back but I've actually been there twice. It was a blind spot for me, CJ. It was something that I, the truth is, the truth, I'm just being transparent here. The truth is I did want this guy to think I was a big deal. And, you know, I said earlier in the interview, Dave Ramsey's a good friend of mine. And I used to name drop because I wanted people to know that Dave and I were friends. Now it's a victory for me almost when I don't say his name because people are going, oh man, he knows Dave Ramsey. He's a big deal. And the truth is, is Dave and I have been friends since he started and since I started and we grew our businesses together. But the truth is, I used to name drop because I wanted people to know I knew Dave and that we were buddies. And so so you got to think about your motivations. And the only way you can do that is if you surround yourself with an accountability group, trusted advisors that will call your high end out because you need to be called out. We have pride. We have ego. And it gets in the way. And people will see through that 
and they will not want to be around you because you're a name dropper, because you're not accurate on your statements, because you think you're somebody. The truth is, is we need to be humble. The truth is, is that we need to help other people meet people and introduce people. But when we have this ego and this pride, we want people to think we're something that we're not. My blind spot was my ego and my pride. And it took somebody like Alan to call me out. And so I would just suggest you've got to get around people that can help you do that. That's some of the best advice I've ever heard uh, live on here. So thank you for that. And anybody that's listening, please re-listen to that over and over and over again. Ego is such a, a hot topic right now. And you're so right. Like It reminds me of back, we were talking about sports a little bit before this. And the best players are the ones that get yelled at the most because that's what you should be striving for. People that are willing to be direct with you and tell you, when you're right, when you're wrong, because that's the thing that sharpens you. And that's why I love your brand, Iron Sharpens Iron. So I'm sure in the groups that you're running, uh, that's exactly what happens. And the people that want to be- They get nasty like, in there, CJ. Yeah, it, gets, yeah. it gets rough in there, man. I'm <laughs> telling you. If we were in person, we may be swinging at each other, but it's all yeah. virtual and it gets iron does sharpen iron. If you're not willing to tell somebody the truth, you're doing them a disservice. But the only way that you can tell them the truth is if you invest an inordinate amount of time and you earn that right to speak into their life. And you can't do that in a short order. It's got to be spending time with them. But listen, if you were in my group and we got to know each other, there would be things that we would talk about in depth and at length because I want you to be better. And you yeah. can't be better if people won't tell you the truth. Yeah, that's 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 amazing. And it I think it's a double-edged sword too, because a lot of people don't want to tell the truth because they want people to like them. So if you have a friend or you're an advisor for somebody, they don't necessarily always want to say something because they want that person to like them. Just like you were kind of showing by name dropping. It's like, oh, I want this guy to like me sure. rather than just being truthful. Um, right. And that's where the ego gets the best of us as well. It's like, it's not about people liking us. It's about us living our truth. And then right. if we live our truth, we're going to be surrounded by the people that really understand that we're trying to help them and, and be better. So I love what, what you said there. And before we kind of kick it off into your mastermind and what's all that about, I have one last question because um, sure. I'm a big believer in advisors and having surrounding yourself with a team and coaches as well. What do you look for in advisors? Because you obviously, you don't want to have the same type of people on your team. You want to have a diversity. So for you, what would you be looking for? Because there's a lot of kids, I would say kids my age, mid twenties out there looking for mentors and they don't necessarily know who's right for them. Mm -hmm. I went back to Belmont as an adult, uh, Belmont College in Nashville. It always bugged me, CJ, that I didn't have a degree. And some of my friends like Dave Ramsey or Dan Miller or some of those guys that was in our mastermind group, they said, Aaron, you could teach the college. Why is it so important for you to have a degree? I said, I don't know, man. It's just bugged me because all my buddies have these big college educations and I don't have that diploma I can hang on the wall. And they said, you've owned 14 successful companies. Why is that so important? And I guess there again, it was pride and ego. So when I was in my 40s, I went back to college and I'm sitting in the, <laughs> I didn't care really what the professors thought. I was there to learn, right? And so there's 20 year old young folks in the room and I'm in my 40s and like these professors hated me because <laughs> I would ask questions and I'd challenge yeah. them and I'd call them out. and one of them was teaching about real estate. 50% of my income has been made off real estate my entire career. They're teaching a financial class on real estate. And the professor said something and I raised my hand. 
And she said, yes, Mr. Walker, what is it? I said, that's inaccurate what you just taught. <laughs> and she said, well, Mr. Walker, would you like to <laughs> tell the class your perspective? I said, sure. Do you want me to do it from here? Do you want me to come up there? And she said, no, from your seat, we'll be fine. And then we started talking about recovering depreciation and how she didn't teach that variable into the equation when you're uh, doing the tax consequences. And she said, well, theoretically, you're right. And I said, no, practically, I'm right. Like, I do this every day. <laughs> and she said, uh, well, you know, Mr. Walker, uh, the truth is you're right. And I said, I know I'm right. Why don't you teach these kids the right way to do things? And she said, it's not in the literature. And I'm like, that's what's wrong with wow. the kids today. It's like it's not in the book. And so when I look for mentors, I look for people that have done it. Like you can read it in a book, but that doesn't interest me. When people say, I'm going to teach you to be rich. Well, I want to know how rich you are because you're not going to teach me to be rich if you're not rich. And you're not going to teach me to do something, practically speaking, in being in leadership just because you read it in a book and you've never led a company. I asked that professor, CJ, <laughs> I asked that professor, I said, how many businesses have you ever owned? Well, none. Well, I don't need to be taking this class from you teaching me how to make money in real estate. And you've never done it practically. Now, I know all professors haven't necessarily done it. So I'm not discounting what they say 100 percent. A lot of what they say is very good. But when I'm looking for a practical mentor, I'm looking for somebody that has experience. There's nothing like boots on the ground. So I would just simply say, really do your due diligence and research the people that are teaching you that they've done it before, not just read about it. I love that. And that's something that I think that a lot of people, again, in the, in the college atmosphere are missing because all the doers aren't at college. My wife, we moved to Austin, Texas for her to get her MBA. And she basically went to get the degree and I've been taking the school of hard knocks and she's seeing my friends versus her MBA friends and the difference in the personalities and the questions that gets asked. And she actually like during school, she loved hanging out with my friends more because we would ask those questions that you were asking because it was reality. And I think it just stems back to the whole ego in school. Like people don't ask the tough questions because they don't want to be told they're wrong. Um, and then you have a lot of, you do have a lot of teachers up there that haven't necessarily done the thing. So I love that advice. And this is where I'd love to pivot this conversation more into the mastermind that you have now, how it got started, who it's for, and what can somebody do to kind of learn more about that? So to start off, how did you start your, your paid masterminds? What did that look like? Yeah. So that somebody out there that's listening that potentially wants to start their own paid masterminds can kind of get an enlightenment of how to go about doing that. Well, we'll go back 10 years when I retired when I was 50. And uh, when I said I was going to go to the Caribbean, <laughs> I said, I'm done, <laughs> man. I've been working since I was 13. I've worked hard. I'm 50. I'm going to retire. I'm able to retire. I'm going to go down there. And Dan Miller said, that's the most selfish comment I've ever heard you say in my life. And I wanted to smack him. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> and he said, uh, you're saying, oh, I got enough for myself. Good luck to the rest of you. He says, you're too young to retire. And I said, what do you suggest? He said, you need to coach. And I said, I'm not coaching. I'm tired, man. I'm like spent. I'm done. And he said, no, you need to coach. So Dave Ramsey said, come do Entree Leadership Mastery. It'll be a gift from me to you. And I went, well, that's pretty cool. That's a $10,000 gift. I'll go do it. So I did. And then Dan said, come to the sanctuary and do Innovate, which is a coaching program. And that night I was on my way home. We all live here in Nashville together. And I was on my way home and Dan texted me. It was about nine o'clock at night. He said, Aaron, did you see the people at your table leaning in, listening to your stories? 
And I said, well, I'm just a good storyteller. He said, no, you've got something to say. It's called experience. And they are hungry for your experience. You need to coach. Dave Ramsey told me the same thing. And I said, okay, I'll coach a couple of people. That's all I'm going to do. So a guy named Matt Miller lives in Stephenville, Texas. I met at Entree Leadership. And another guy named Brett Barnhart lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma, came up to me and they said, hey, we want you to coach us. We've been listening to your stories, what you do. And I said, OK. And I went to Dave and I said, Dave, I've met them at your event. He said, coach them, man, coach them, go for it. So I started coaching those guys. And that's all I was going to do, CJ. I wasn't going to coach anybody else. Well, I loved it. It was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. I'm helping these guys grow their businesses. And this is so fun. Somebody said, you need to do a podcast interview and promote your business. And I said, what is a podcast? (laughs) And they said, you got to be kidding me. And I said, no, I don't even know what a podcast is. And he said, well, you can tell you've been in the bricks and mortar space for 35 years. And so they told me what it was. And so I reached out to a guy that had just started named John Lee Dumas, Entrepreneur on Fire. He had me on. I told my story. Well, when I told my story, (laughs) two weeks after my story, I had 15 one-on-one clients. And I went, this is going to wear my honey and out. There's no way I can coach 15 people. It's, I'm going to be dead. And so I said, listen, I've been in a mastermind group forever. I'll just start a mastermind group. Then I can do one to many. So I started a mastermind group and I kept doing podcast interviews. Well, I kept filling up groups and I kept doing podcast interviews and I kept filling up groups. And I did Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income. And in a 30 minute interview, I filled up two mastermind groups. And I'm like, Man, I can't quit now. So I kept on. Well, here we are. We're about to launch our 19th mastermind group. We're in nine different countries now. I didn't want to do this. I didn't intend on doing this. And now we're about to build another division with 15 more mastermind groups in the division. Well, thought leaders started reaching out to me and they said, how are you scaling these mastermind groups? And I said, we've got systems and processes in place and you can't build any business without systems and processes because You know, we fail to the level of our systems and processes, not to the level of our goals. And so you've got to have that in order to scale. And so they said, would you teach me to do what you've done? And I said, no, I don't really want to do that. And they said, we'll pay you a lot of money. And so I thought about it and I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll coach you for six weeks for this much money. And they said, where do we send the money? And I'm like, dang, I didn't charge enough. And I saw Guys kept reaching out and my daughter walked in here one day and she's the COO of our business. And she said, Dad, why don't we create a playbook? We've got all the systems and processes in place and we'll teach people to do exactly what we've done. So it took us over a year, CJ, to put that together. We now have what's called the Mastermind Playbook. And it is step by step, 100% how we've built and scaled these mastermind groups. And now we have people all over the world that are buying this playbook and they're creating. See, what people are afraid of, CJ, is they don't have the framework. They don't know the systems and the processes by which we've done everything. And this is a plug and play. You just follow along and we tell you every step of the way. We've created the swipe files, the lead magnets. We've created all of the formulas, the themes, the books, the questions, the templates. We've created everything. All you've got to do is invite the people and you do a plug and play. And people are having huge success with this. So we've taken the guesswork out. We've taken all the fear out. We've overcome all the myths. We've overcome the obstacles. And now people are creating this amazing mastermind groups. And uh, 
Coaches primarily are doing it because what they've realized is, is that coaching is a job. It's not a business. It's a high paying job. Masterminds, I'm about to go on a two week vacation and I'll have more money when I get back than when I left because I've got facilitators running the groups that we do revenue share with. I put together all the themes and the questions and the books and the titles and the live events. These groups go on and I've got a sustainable business that provides income in perpetuity and it's very predictable. It's not like one-on-one -on -one coaching. You miss a one-on-one -on -one coaching client, you've got to make it up and you've lost that hour. Well, with mastermind groups, you never miss a beat. So that's what we've created. Yeah. I mean, I, I see such an influx in, and one of the reasons I started this podcast is there, there's such an influx in people that are leaving their jobs to become coaches or quote unquote entrepreneurs but what, they're, what they leave is 40 hours with a paycheck to then work 80 hours with no paycheck. And it's one of the things that I preach all the time is systems, having gone to school for systems engineering. And I'm reading the book, Tools of Titans again. And one of my favorite quotes in there are goals are for losers, systems are for winning. And a lot of people just don't understand what systems, what is, what is a system? And that comes along with it. You actually have to do the thing first and realize where you're messing up and then build a system to improve that. So I'd love to dig into what were the bumps in the road of your masterminds and creating this? Because obviously you couldn't have created this system to help other people facilitate these things unless you kind of just went full force and learned it yourself. So what were some of the bumps in the roads or the struggles that you had in your initial masterminds before you had this playbook? Oh, man, there's countless. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you the things that we did that didn't work. It's all trial and error. And you get in and you find out, you know, hey, that was a good idea conceptually, but practically it just doesn't work. And so then we kept altering and iterating what we were doing and we kept building the systems and then the system would be broken. We would repair the system and create a new process. And now we create MP4 files, you know, video teaching, and then we create written systems and processes. So if we hire, we just hired a new VA this week. We've got uh, four or five VAs in the Philippines. And now when we hire someone new, we give them all the systems and the processes and the MP4 files. They go through and watch and they can immediately uh, do the other task. We, there was an earthquake about a year ago in the Philippines. And my daughter called me early on a Monday morning. She goes, we got real problems. And I said, what? She said, all the electricity is out in the Philippines. They had a terrible earthquake in, uh, in this city where our BAs lived. And she said, there's no way the accountability tools are going to be up. And, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then she goes, oh, never mind. And I said, what do you mean, never mind? She said, we've got all the systems in place. I'll do it myself. <laughs> and I said, uh, yes. dang, that is so great. Well, you know what's so cool? The Filipinos are so committed to their job. They all drove to a city that had electricity because they're 13 hours ahead and they knew that we were going to have this problem on Monday and they did it anyway from a different city. Most people wouldn't have done that. I'm just telling you, they're amazing. I have an amazing team. But if they didn't and were not able to do that, we could have done it because we had the systems in place and we would have never missed a beat. Well, if you don't have these written systems and these processes, you've got a catastrophe. You're like, what do we do now? And so that's what it has allowed us to do to grow. Uh, it is just so enriching to be able to run your business when you can say, if you don't know how to do this, you go here, there's the system, here's the swap file, here's the process, 
ordering books, you know, depending on the book that we order for the individual, the live events that we've set up. It's just that you've got to do the system and the process during the grind because you'll never go back and be able to recreate every step of the way later. So you need to create it as you go. And most people won't take the time to do that. They're like, I don't have time to do it. You don't have time not to do it because there's no way to recreate this after the fact. Yeah. You got, you got to lay the foundation or else you're built on a house of cards. And that happens to so many people. And other than systems for other people out there that are starting their masterminds right now, what do you think is the number one mistake that they're making besides not coming and joining your group? (laughs) Well, yeah, they don't necessarily have to join my group, but there's a couple of things that you need to do. If you don't really want to start a group, you need to look for a group that's established that your core values align with the facilitators. Like we don't even allow people to join. You don't have to believe like I do. And there's people of faith. There's atheist, agnostic, Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim, Christian. There's all kinds of people there. But our core values are similar in nature to where we can arrive at a general consensus. Like if we don't have the same core values, there's nothing to stake what you believe on. So I would suggest strongly that you find a group that aligns with your core values. Uh, The other thing, the myth, people starting mastermind groups, they think, well, I don't have the experience of 41 years. I haven't built 14 businesses. I haven't had all the success, so I can't lead a group. That's the biggest myth in leading the group that there is. It would be like, CJ, me, you inviting me to your house for dinner with nine other guests and I, they all bring their wives and you sit at the head of the table and every question that's asked, you answer the question. That'd be a pretty boring party. Well, it's the same in the mastermind group. You have to have the framework and you are the host, but the magic comes from everybody, not from the facilitator. I can't tell you how many questions are asked that I go, I don't have a clue. I don't know the answer to that. I'll help you get the answer. We'll find out. And somebody will raise their hand and go, I got the answer. I know the answer. Okay, what is it? Now I've learned. The person that's asked the question has learned. And this guy has just shared these value bombs that's helped everybody. See, the thing is, is that that's what hinders us the most. Like CJ, you could start a group in a minute because you have tons of people that you could invite. Here's the other thing. I don't know how to recruit and who would join. We go through exercises in the playbook and they're very simple. I mean, they're like so elementary. You would be amazed at how many people you know. You get on Facebook and you've got thousands of connections, LinkedIn, thousands of connections, Pinterest, thousands, Instagram, your contact list. You go through, you have multiple hundreds, if not thousands of connections. Listen, here's what's cool about masterminds. A $500 mastermind per month per member Two groups gives you a six-figure income. You need 20 people to have a six-figure income. Now you're investing two or three hours a week in leading these groups and reaching out in marketing. So now you've got, I've got 19 groups. And then I don't even have to, there, there's 12 of those groups that I don't even participate in. And so what I'm saying is, is it's a business and it's something that you only need a few people to be highly successful. And so I would just encourage you to think through some of these myths that are plaguing you, thinking, I can't host it, I can't do it, I don't have the framework. Well, we've created the framework and that's what we've done. So much fire 
right there. And you already got me like, I'm super antsy to look into this and, and implement some of the things that you're talking about on my own groups and communities that we've been building out, but we're getting close to, to wrapping up. And I'd love to kind of end with this last question, which you kind of alluded to a little bit, which is beyond just going out and doing podcasts to grow and reaching out to your connections. One of the biggest things that I think people fear is they sit behind closed doors and build the product or build the service. And they don't actually go out into the world and make sure that they have people that are going to join it. So I'd love to know a little bit more about besides just the podcasts and hitting up your connections, how have you been going about marketing it? And how can somebody that has their mastermind market what they're building and finding their potential customers? Well, I'm going to say some things that's going to appear to be harsh and I don't mean for it to. It's just, I'm a very factual, blunt person. Uh, you can build something amazing, but if no one knows about it, it's useless. And so I wrote two books and that's 10% of it. 90% of it is marketing because if you have a beautiful place in a desert and nobody knows how to get there and no one's ever heard of it, no one's going to come and see it. And so we, we write blogs every week and I've written thousands of blogs. I do Facebook lives every week. The first Facebook live, I didn't even know how to do it. I had to sit down at the station camp Greenway and figure out how to do a Facebook live. And I didn't even know what I was going to say. I threw it up there and I said, Hey, this is big A coming to you live from the station camp Greenway. And then I started just telling my message from my heart, just what I wanted to say. CJ, my phone lit up like a Christmas tree after that. People loved it. And they said, Hey, I love the spontaneity of it. It was from your heart. It was passionate. Well, I've been doing that now almost five years, four of those every single week. And I love it. I built an audience as a result of doing that. We do Instagram, you know, we do blogs, we do podcast interviews. I've done a lot of interviews and we do that nonstop to build your brand. If you think you're going to get into anything and it's going to be a piece of cake, just go on. You don't even need to fool with this because nothing worth having is not something that's not going to take a lot of work. It's just hard work to get it started. And it took me a lot of work to get up and going what I've got going now. But the truth is, is you build critical mass, you build this momentum. And now it's like, oh my gosh, now the people, the members in our groups, they're our best salespeople. They're like, man, dude, he is adding value. My life is changing. My marriage is better. Our business is doubling. Well, it doesn't take many people talking like that for other people to say, I want to join. Now we're learning to scale and we're going to be building divisions with 15 groups in each division. But it didn't start that way. It started out with hard gum work to get the first group going. And that's the reason I told you, man, you got to do it like no one else every single day. Consistency is important. If you don't have consistency in you, if you just do things a little bit, I told one of my coaching clients, I said, write these blogs. And he did it. And I checked behind him. And six weeks later, he quit. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, why well, didn't get the response I wanted? I said, I wear shirts longer <laughs> than six weeks. What do you, man, you got to keep on keeping on. And the people that I've got that are doing that, CJ, are killing it. And so I would just say consistency, man. Get out there and do your thing every day. I go home sometimes, CJ, and I can't talk. I'm spent, man. I leave every drop on the field every day. And I look up, and one day I've got all these mastermind groups. You can do it too. Nobody listening to my voice, if you can hear me, you can do the same thing. I got a high school education. I've done this because of grit, perseverance, and hard work. 
and you can do it too if you've got the right systems, the right framework, and the right processes. Keep that open mindset. Can't, couldn't do it, and could did it all. And fear missing an opportunity more than you fear failure. And you do that, and you too are going to be highly successful and significant. Woof, man, the, the passion just exudes even through this. And I, I wish we were in person because we're obviously just going through a podcast right now. But everybody listening, that right there just exemplifies who Aaron is and who he's helping other people become. And I just want to thank you so much for hopping on this podcast. It means a lot to me. And there's so much that I'm going to take away from this, from all my notes that I've been writing down. But if someone out there is listening, who is a right candidate? for you to, to come into your mastermind. So anybody that might be listening and thinking about pulling the trigger, sure. what's your target market? Yeah. You know, we have men from 20 years old to 65 years old. We have groups that my daughter and my wife lead for women. Uh, they are crushing it too. It is so fun to watch these women, man. They are crushing it. And then we started an emerging man, 20 to 25 year old men, guy named Anthony Witt leads that group. And we're killing it there too. Listen, if you've got the passion, determination, and desire to go for it, you're the avatar. Like, but if you're not willing for hard work, if you're like, no, I'm a pansy and I don't really want to work that hard, don't come to our group. It's not for you. I'm just telling you the truth. And if you're like feelings carry around your shoulder, like I don't need you in there either. I need people that go, hey, I know where I'm going. And you're going to help me get there. And I'm like, hey, let's lock our arms. We're camaraderie. We're a brotherhood or a sisterhood. Let's go. We're going to go after it. We don't have time to fool with people. I got to pamper and beg to show up. And I don't, I don't want to deal with that. If you really want to make a difference in your life, you're our avatar. That's awesome. And where can people that find themselves if they're ready to get after it and they're ready to lock arms with you, where can they best reach you at to get this party started? Yeah. Viewfromthetop.com. That's with a V. Viewfromthetop.com. And you can type in Aaron Walker, A-A-R-O-N on Google. I'm pretty easy to find and I'm very accessible. I've given my phone number, my email. It won't be hard to locate me. And I want to help you. I want to help take you to the next level because that's what gives me purpose. Thank you so much uh, for giving me even more purpose for for what I've been doing. Uh, this has been an enlightening 50 minutes. And I, again, I know you're a busy guy and working on so many different things. And Hey, CJ, if they want to start their own mastermind too, go to themastermindplaybook.com and we'll rock your world starting your own mastermind. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to send out everything on, on the notes afterwards and on the blog and everything. So anybody that's listening, you're going to you're going to get a lot of information uh, about Aaron and what he's working on. And I highly recommend reaching out to him. It's a breath of fresh air, to be honest, to hear everything that you're talking about and the passion. So whoever was listening, the core things we were talking about today is just passion, persistence, uh, consistently working through those struggles and not limiting yourself to, as Aaron said, like high school education and really just crushing it in, in all aspects of life. Uh, so he's an example to follow. Is there anything else that you'd love to, to say before we sign off here? Man, I think we've said enough today, CJ. Let's fire the gun and ride the bullet. Let's go. Heck yeah. So passionate till the very end. Man, I really love this episode. and can't wait to hear it. For anybody else listening out there, 
I hope you uh, took something from this. And if there's anything that I can always lead you with, it's take action. So take action towards your goals and what you're working on. And don't forget to build systems along the way because that's what's going to help you scale. So until next time, this is CJ Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. Thrive on y'all.